welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm really excited to be talking to Samuel Chong. Samuel is a certified court interpreter and Chinese translator, and he visited Michel Desmarquet, the author of Theoba Prophecy, in 2016 and 2018. And he was instrumental in arranging for the Chinese publication of Desmarquet's book, which has then been a bestseller in both China and Taiwan, a rare phenomenon. He also translated the book 334% Lies, The Revelation of H.M.V. Stoll, an autobiography of the high master of the chair of a secret society that was started in Germany. Today, he dedicates his efforts in promoting the messages in these books in order to give people hope and to promote a better world. I'm completely fascinated by this book that Samuel is dedicating his time to spreading the word about. The Theoban prophecy is just wild, and I could definitely see how it would be hard for people to accept as nonfiction. There's a lot of wisdom there, so even if you can't bring yourself to accept the story as fact, maybe read it with an open mind of maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but maybe I'll gain wisdom and a new perspective, even if it's not real. You can think of it like watching the movie The Matrix. That movie is technically fiction, but it, it's a great metaphor for the reality that we're in, and it provides common language for us to discuss the kind of simulated reality we're living in when things start to feel really surreal or controlled. I personally do believe this story is real, but I have a general knowing through a combination of learnings and personal multidimensional experience that this is a vast universe and that our human minds can only take in and understand a sliver of its entirety. And with that knowledge comes the humility that there's a whole lot going on that surprises me and that I don't have much context for, but that doesn't mean it's not real. So, I'm really excited about this episode. But before we get started, just a quick word about Camuso. Take control of your stress with this necklace that's not only beautiful, but powerful. It works within seconds, it has zero maintenance, and it helps you increase focus, lower your heart rate, sleep better, and reduce your anxiety. This is such a great product. Check out episode 240 where I talk to the founder, Todd Steinberg. That episode is packed with useful insight about how to calm your body and mind. Use promo code KaraGoodwin15 to get 15% off your order. And check out all of the partners of the Meditation Conversation podcast, which you can get to through themeditationconversation.com. And now enjoy this episode. So welcome, Samuel. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thanks for having me, Jer. So I, I read this book and it is fascinating. It's really fascinating. So but it's pretty, it's not territory that's often covered. And I don't know that any of our listeners would know what Theoba is. So can you talk a little bit about the background of the Theoba prophecy and, and about the author and his experience? Well, the book definitely is a revelation. The author, Michel de Marquet, had a very unique experience back in June 1987 when he suddenly woke up in the middle of the night. He didn't know why, but he wrote a note to his wife 
that he would be gone for 10 days and there's absolutely no need to worry about him. And then he walked outside of his house and he was lifted up, taken by this group of uh, beautiful, tall, Nordic-looking ETs to their spacecraft and had this journey for nine days being on their planet and then came back. But what's unique about this is that he was informed of a lot of the knowledge, the mysteries of the paranormal, and also the problems, the real problems on Earth by the ETs who say that they have been watching us throughout history, especially in the ancient times. They were responsible for the destructions of the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. They were responsible for leading Moses out of Egypt, leading ancient Hebrews and, and parting the Sea of Greece, not the Red Sea, and then giving the manas to the Hebrews as well. And they were responsible for the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Christ. In a sense, they were kind of replacing Jehovah in the Bible, but they say that God is, God is the creator of everything. But Jehovah in the Bible were actually they, them, the Theobans, who kind of helped to guide the people throughout history as documented in the Bible. And, and it's fascinating as a revelation. Mm. It, it really is fascinating. And so, so Michelle didn't really have a, a known connection to the Theobans prior to his experience, right? It, and like you say, he just kind of woke up, wrote this note, not really understanding why, and then he found himself on this ship heading back to their planet. Exactly. He was totally unaware of uh, what was about to happen to him. He was just a landscaper, a farmer in Australia. He was living in Keynes, Queensland, Australia at that time. And he didn't really know how to type. He didn't know how to use computer. And it happened actually in 1987, before the age of the internet. Even when he published the book in 1993, I mean, in Australia, very few people was able to use the internet back then. But the book contains a lot of information that can be validated and verified today. Specific verifiable facts that I find to be uh, very interesting and amazing. Right, because there's the historical things, like you said, there's the parts where they talk about Moses and they talk about Jesus and there and a lot of like ancient history, you know, even going back to Atlantean times and they talk about the role of their people and and give some alternative, you know, history that we haven't been told. Because of course there's not even an acknowledgement that Atlantis is even a historical place. But then they talk about modern times and where humanity is now. And there are some really fascinating insights and really relevant and pertinent insights that they give. And I believe that this is part of why you have felt so drawn to sharing the message of the book, the messages, many deep messages and powerful one of the things that stands out is the greatest dangers that are on earth at this time, which it's funny because he starts talking about this in terms of like nuclear arms and nuclear threat. And they said, well, there are four greatest challenges and none of them relate to nuclear arms. So it's the order of importance, first money, then politicians, third journalists and drugs and fourth religions. 
So I don't know if you have more to say on this, but that's there's a lot there in terms of modern life. Yes. The reason that I've been putting so much time and efforts into promoting the messages in the book is that I learned that one thing he was not allowed to write in the book. Remember in the postscript, it says that there are far more incredible things that he was not allowed to write in the book because we were far from understanding them. That got me extremely curious. And that's the entire motivation for me to track him down and to meet him in person and to learn about that. Because the book is already fascinating and incredible enough to me. And I was curious to know what's more incredible about it that he wasn't permitted to share with us. And I learned about it the second trip after I met him. And, and that's the entire motivation. Indeed, we are facing tremendous amount of challenges right now and also in the future. But the future depends on our actions. It really depends on how we respond to the challenges because the future is changeable while the past is fixed. So it's just like ants walking straight along down the road and walking directly. And the ants may encounter some kind of stones or obstacles in the front. And we can see that because we live in a three-dimensional world, while the ants live in a two-dimensional world. world. And the ants can actually turn left or turn right to maybe avoid the obstacles in, in, the front, in front of them. And similarly, we can actually change our directions. How, the way how we live our lives and to avoid the catastrophes that may happen in the future. So did he tell you what specific things he wasn't allowed to publish in the book? Did he share that with you? Yes, he shared that with me. And he said that Tao asked him to tell me not to tell it to anyone else. But what he didn't say was that I couldn't write an article about it and revealing as many clues and giving as many hints as possible. And that's what I did. I wrote the article. And the wow. title of the article is The Second Coming of Christ. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. So there was a quote here that I wanted to read and talk about. There was this mention of the needles. So it says, yes. if certain of the leaders who read your book don't believe you, this is them t talking to Michelle. If certain of the leaders who read your book don't believe you or doubt what is written, challenge them to explain the disappearance of billions of needles put into orbit around Earth several years ago. Ask them also to explain the second disappearance of billions more needles again put into orbit. They will know what you're referring to. Never fear. We are responsible for the disappearance of these needles, judging them to be potentially disastrous for your planet. And it was eventually, I believe years after this book, there was confirmation and maybe a disclosure that was true that there were, and, but I had never heard about this before this book. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. And some people did research and turned out to be Project Westford that the U.S. government collaborated with MIT, launching hundreds of millions of copper needles into space hoping to improve the telecommunication signals of the whatever they were trying to do because they, they were hoping that all the signals would bounce back from the copper needles to Earth. And, but then, according to official documents, uh, the first launch definitely failed. And the, they claimed that the second launch was a success. But uh, who knows, they're probably, probably trying to save face or something. So I don't know. But, but indeed, uh, very few people know about this. 
Huh. I wonder what it was that they determined was such a danger, like that could have been disastrous. I guess if they, you know, if gravity got to them and they all started plunging toward Earth at, you know, the speed that they would end up coming at. I don't know. I haven't really delved into why they would be potentially disastrous for Earth yet. I think there are far more important issues uh, facing us nowadays, uh, especially related to the four real dangers on Earth. Right. Money, politicians, journalists, and drugs, especially drugs nowadays. People use hallucinogenic drugs and, and religions too. Yeah. It's fascinating. They, the ETs also give some warnings about humanity, other warnings. Can you share some of the warnings that they've that they told Michelle about? In the book, it says that technology should assist our spiritual development and not to enslave us in a more materialistic world. And as we see nowadays with the uh, developments of uh, AI, artificial intelligence, people are more reliant on this kind of uh, new technologies. And sooner or later, we're going to hit a, a point in which the development and the speed of technology development is going to overpower us. And some people suggest that it's going to be like a critical moment of time in which, in which we are going to kind of be facing a paradigm in which technology and human beings are coexisting and things like that. So I think this is very dangerous to us uh, if technologies are hindering our spiritual development. Um, and this is why I think I've been trying so hard to develop an aura camera just for a way to bring more awareness to the public that we do have human energy fields and they do reflect the character of a person and they can actually predict physical illness and they can actually show whether a politician is lying on stage or not. So it's oh, more like, wow. yes. <laughs> so there is like, is it called cerulean? Am I making that word up? That where Curlian, yeah. So, it, but you're working on different technology that's specific because that's more like the color around a person. Yes, yes. The energy field that people can see they're showing different colors, mm -hmm. and there are aura cameras uh, on the market, but they're not really accurate. I'm trying to develop something that's more accurate. Mm. Because that's one of the things that Michelle experienced when he was there he was given the ability to see auras. But I believe when he came back to Earth, that went away, right? That went away, yes. Yeah, but they do talk about the importance of the aura. And, you know, one thing that really stuck with me too was the they kept warning about noise. Yes. And the danger of noise. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, and noise actually affect, uh, affects our uh, astral body, because of the vibrations of noise, they actually cause a lot of interference and also a disturbance to our energy field. And this is not just a, a temporary thing, it's actually a kind of a permanent harm. And they use a very strong word saying that if we don't pay attention to the dangers of noise, the, the future is going to be catastrophic. So I, I actually did a lot of research on this point on noise and asked the aura readers and people who can see auras 
to see what kind of effects no that noises have on the human energy field. They always say that the human energy field feels changed to the the form that's uglier and more ugly and, and unpleasant when noises are around them. And and I do see that a lot of people are very sensitive to noise. And I'm trying to bring more awareness to this point, but so far I haven't been able to persuade a lot of people yet. Do you have an opinion about whether this is like particularly loud noises or certain frequencies? Because you could be exposed to certain frequencies which are not which are, you know, not good for us to be feeling or be, to be in contact with, but you may not even really hear it or really know that you're in that frequency. So do, do you have clarity on whether it's about the volume of the noise or what type of noise it is and like I what think frequency? I think it's both, both the volume and also the frequencies. And even uh, good music and people feel pleasantly uh, about a certain kind of music if they are played three times as loud and people still feel uncomfortable. So this is one of the examples given in the book. So I think it's both. And also it damages our astral body, which is something that we keep forever, even after we die. So if we don't pay attention to that's going to affect our future generations or future reincarnations after we die. Do you have any insight about whether like because it's the astral body, right? So when we think of noise, it's our ears. Like we we hear the noise. But when you talk about an astral body, that's beyond the senses. So like if you were wanting to go to a concert, for example, and you wanted to be sensitive to being exposed to too much noise, if you put in like earplugs that bring the noise down, does that help? Do you know? It helps from your those perspective of your senses, like audible senses, but it doesn't help to protect your astral body because our mm -hmm. astral body is exposed to, to loud noises when that happens, even though we don't hear it. So it's important to be in a quieter environment than to mm -hmm. be in a loud environment. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, I found that really fascinating. And I think too, because so many children are particularly sensitive to noise. And it makes me wonder, like, what, I mean, some people are so, are almost overly sensitive to noise, but it's what are they picking up that, that they don't, maybe don't even recognize that they don't like about it, you know? Yes. And they're very intuitive and they know what's good for them. Right. Yeah. So another really fascinating thing that came through with this book is the planetary levels they talk yes. about that there are planetary levels and that they relate to an individual soul's evolution. So can you share about that for us? Yes, there are a total of uh, nine different categories of planets in the universe. We are living on category one planet and they, the Theobans, live on category nine planet. We are just like elementary school students learning the basics and they're just like uh, college professors or mentors guiding us and to lead us to the spiritual development that's the ultimate goal of human life. So, and, and also we all came from different planets as well. The blacks and the yellows came from a planet back in a teeny 1.35 million years ago. And then the ancestors of the Polynesians came about 250,000 years ago. 
from category one planet. So did the blacks and the yellows. And the Caucasians also came from a different planet. They landed down on the continent of Atlantis. And the Jewish people came about 12,000 years ago from a planet of a different category, a category three planet. And this is actually something very controversial and explains why the Jewish people, the Hebrews were the chosen people and why they have been so unique and facing different uh, discrimination and prosecution throughout history because they were not originally from a category one planet. Um, they came here accidentally because of a, a failure of the engines of their spacecraft. Mm. Yeah. And so how did these category one through nine relate to the individuals who are on those planets or who are able to be on those planets? Well, for example, if we are, we are currently li living on category one planet and we can evolve spiritually and to move up the ladder, move up to a category two or category three. It really depends on how we uh, purify our soul or astral body, um, be more compassionate, how we follow the teachings of Christ uh, to be more spiritual. So this is uh, uh, something that we always try to do in order to move up to a category two, category three planet, or maybe category seven. Um, the Theobans, they have uh, a lot of the abilities to perform miracles. They actually can perform all the miracles performed by Christ as documented in the Bible. They can levitate. They can kind of heal the wounds of uh, people who have different sickness. And they can actually materialize objects. And they can regenerate their body tissues and cells so they don't age at all. They're forever looking at like in their 30s. They can live forever. So. They're actually pretty compassionate, loving people and very uh, intelligent and they have a lot of wisdom too. So, so this is category nine. And if we are to, if we want to move up the ladder, we have to really be very spiritual and to purify our soul because we are connected to God and God is part of us and we are part of God. Uh, we only send positive experiences, positive spiritual lessons to God through our higher self. And once we purify ourselves enough, we are able to move up to a category two planet or a category three planet. And once we do that, we are able to have more psychic powers, just like the Theobans or some of the other people. And if you learned about the Old Testament, you, you know that the people in the past could live for 800 years or 900 years. And I think this is uh, very reasonable because originally the Hebrews came from a category three planet. So they were able to live longer than, than us. Yeah. It, I can't remember if it talks at all about planets evolving as well. Does it say anything about, because of course, like there's a lot of talk right now about new earth and earth going through its own evolution as a sentient being. I can't remember if there was any discussion about planets themselves evolving. Well, the planets themselves don't evolve as our souls or our bodies do because Earth was a category one planet and will be a category one planet. It's our souls, our astral bodies that evolve and move up to a category two or category three planet. Mm. So once we die, we can decide whether to still live on category one planet or move up 
the ladder when we are ready to, or when we are, when we are allowed to, and to live on, on a different planet of a different category. Uh, but there's a pattern in the universe that uh, nine planets revolve around a star like the sun. So this is like our solar system. And also nine stars revolve uh, around a bigger star. And nine bigger stars revolve uh, even a bigger star until the source, the center of the universe. And the, I think just a few years ago, NASA scientists discovered another system like our solar system in which there are nine planets that revolve around a star like our sun. So I think with the advancements of technologies in astronomy, astronomers are going to discover more solar systems like ours. Mm, right. So I wanted to go back to when we talk about those four dangers that we talked about a few minutes ago. So money, politicians, journalists and drugs, and then religion. And I wonder how many people are listening and they've heard you talk about Christ. They've heard you talk about Moses. And then we're saying that, you know, one of the great dangers to humanity is religion. So talk a little bit about that. How do those things go together? So religion is different from spirituality. Religions are organized by people. So why they're called the organized religions. They always try to be the agent between us and God, mm -hmm. when in fact we can connect to God, the source, directly without going through an intermediary agency. So they try to distort the, the original meanings of the ancient scriptures. And this book, The Oba Prophecy, specifically listed the four Catholic Church Council meetings that specifically intentionally distorted the original meanings of the ancient scriptures in the Bible. So. When God created everyone of us, it inserted a tiny portion of itself to each of our astral bodies. So this is why we are able to connect to our astral body, to God, directly through meditation, through prayers, or just through a good night of sleep. So this is why meditation is very important. And for the religious believers, praying is important. But you pray to your higher self which is part of God. So this is something that people have been wondering about or maybe misled by the organized religions. You don't pray to, to the leaders of the religious organizations. You pray to yourself, your higher self, uh, and which is connected to God, the source, the creator of everything. So, you know, I was a non-believer of Christianity before I read the book. I thought Jesus or Christ is just too incredible. The miracles is just too good to be true. But because I thought that they just didn't sound right. And how could a person perform all the miracles? But after reading this book, I learned that Jesus and Christ are actually two beings. And Christ was a person who actually preached and performed the miracles. And because he had the knowledge, he had the knowledge to do so. He did that just to preach about spirituality and love and, and life after death through his resurrection. But somehow the concept of reincarnation was removed from the Bible. And I just feel that everything is connected. And, and this book explains all the inconsistencies of the Bible. Um, and I think we should be spiritual and not uh, religious. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I'm curious in all of the research as you dove into the Theoba 
prophecy. Have you come across any other people who have had contact with this specific planet? I've never heard of it before. Well, it's definitely recorded as documented in the Bible, including really? a book. Yes, including a book that wasn't penalized by the Catholic Church Council meetings, the Book of Enoch. Michel de Marquet didn't read the Book of Enoch until he came back. So after he came back, he went public and began lecturing about his personal experiences. And the person showed him and asked him to read the Book of Enoch. After reading the Book of Enoch, he was so amazed at the descriptions of, um, in, in the Book of Enoch that are so similar to what he personally experienced. Uh, and he was convinced that Enoch was taken away by the same group of ETs that took him. So, so this is why I think it's important to read the Bible, but from a different perspective, and also to know some of the things that happened after Enoch wrote a book, especially Noah. One scholar says after Enoch wrote a book, 40 or 80 years afterwards, Noah built the ark. Noah was a great grandson of Enoch. And Michel de Marquet, if he, his conviction was, his belief is right, that Enoch was taken away by Theobans as well. And, and both of them was, were told to write a book. And you can imagine from 40 to 80 years later, what would happen to us as what happened to, to Noah. And <laughs> I think the time is approaching. So I think it's important to, to, to follow the teaching of Christ and be spiritual. Mm. Now, Michel passed away, right? He's passed yes. away now. Um, do you know, through your personal dealings with him, did he ever have contact again with the Theobans? Because in the epilogue of the book, he mentions that he expected that he would maybe sense their presence or get some like telepathy with them, or especially as he wrote the book. And he was surprised that he really didn't. But of course, you know, many decades now have passed since that time. So do you know if he received communication yes. with them after? Yes, he did. After the book was published, he did receive telepathic messages from them. Uh, one message was related to the grace. So at that time, in, especially in the 1990s, people were, were wondering about the, the grace and implants, and, and they did. And according to Michel de Marquet, um, they sent him a telepathic message telling him that the Greeks did put implants on people, but only about 150 or so by the year 1995. They did that just to observe us and how we respond to the increasingly decreased immune system because we have been having the problem since 1948. And they, the Greeks, also came from a Category 1 planet, and they are a dying race because of their immune system. And they wanted to see how we respond to the same situation. And, but there's absolutely no harm to us um, from the implants because the Theobans have been observing their actions and just to make sure that no harm is done onto us. So this is the one telepathic message that Michelle de Marquet received. And the second telepathic message was related to the Sphinx. He was told that there are three chambers beneath the Sphinx. And when we are ready, when the time is right, they can be opened. And once they're opened, everything will be known to the world. And I find that to be interesting because it's very similar to what Edgar Casey says about the whole of records. 
And he gave a very interesting description as well about uh, what's being kept beneath the Sphinx. And people, I think archaeologists and also some other scientists have been trying to persuade the Ministry of Archaeology of Egypt to do additional research on the Sphinx and because they do find anomalies beneath it. They're empty. They're not uh, soil or ground. They're, they have chambers beneath it. So that's another validation. And uh, I think uh, those are the main telepathic messages that he received that's um, meaningful. Wow. Well, do you personally feel a connection with the Theobans? You know, I'm a very independent-minded person. So I, in my subconscious mind, I always try to say to myself and to them, don't help me. Let me just work through what I have to do in, in this lifetime and uh, without their help, unless uh, when it's absolutely necessary. So I really want to learn the lessons on my own and to, to really explore what I have to do. So, so I don't have any contact with them yet. Well, I'm not sure that they would get a, help you get around that. <laughs> They seem pretty evolved in order to allow us to, you know, so that they wouldn't interfere any more so than necessary. But it makes me wonder the fact that this book became a bestseller in China and Taiwan, and it's unusual for this category of book. So I wonder just how much assistance you may be getting that, you know, isn't is under the surface, maybe. <laughs> I, I think they... Probably were just kind of helping behind the scenes. Right. And, you know, you know, when I was young, I always wanted to learn and learn from the masters, learn from the best, and know everything there is to know. So if they are the best, they are the masters of the, the ETs. I, I definitely want to learn from them because you know I've been a translator, interpreter myself, and I always want to learn the best of each industry. For example. I studied economics and investments. So I learned from Warren Buffett, Jim Rogers, George Soros, and also Ray Dalio, those kind of people. And if I want to be best at something in the industry, I always learn from the masters. So master class is actually something that I, I, I would have done that uh, since I was young. But, but now I have a new kind of mentor, which is this book. Uh, it contains all the mysteries of the paranormal. And I think it's unique because it really, it also uncovers a solution that we can try to follow and try to imitate uh, to solve our current day problems. And I don't know if you remember, they took great pains to invite Archie to meet with Michel de Marquet. And so Archie explained what happened to a country on their planet, how it took only four people to change dictatorship government into a more democratic, more spiritual form of government. So I think that's something that we can imitate and try to do to use nonviolent resistance to rise up against tyranny so that everyone works together and through a concerted action, we can change the world for the better. So I think that's something that I'm trying to do and to let people know what's really happening around the world behind the scenes. Is it just the Republicans, Democrats fighting against each other? Is there like a kind of secret government behind everything, like the deep state or something? Is there like an Illuminati? Is there a secret society controlling everything? And I mean, these are all valid questions to ask. And people need to have an open mind 
because we are controlled by or we are influenced by the media. Uh, but when we encounter issues or problems in our day-to-day -day life, we should look inside for answers, look inside for solutions, because uh, our higher self is constantly guiding us. We don't need to follow specific organized religion. We don't need to listen to the politicians or the mainstream media. We can find answers ourselves just by having a meditation or praying. Because if the solutions are good for, for our spiritual development, they'll be provided to us if we just look inside for answers. Yeah, I love that. Well, it, that makes me um, think about the other book that you've translated, The 334% Lies. And it sounds like there's some crossover there between what you were talking about and that book. Can you tell us a little bit about this book? You know, the reason that I found the 334,000 is the one thousandth that sign. Oh, uh, it's lies. a thousandth? Oh, yes, sorry. 334,000th. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. The reason was that I was looking for ways to see auras. And I read on a forum that someone posted saying that, oh, here's another book, um, 334,000 lies. Uh, but it's only in German. And it tells you how you can meditate and see the colors of auras. I was so curious about that because, you know, it's in German. And I thought, oh, you know, why don't I translate into English so that more people can benefit? I can also read it myself and to learn the techniques. And it turned out that it is a very unique and very interesting book that's the autobiography of the highest degree chair of the Illuminati, the former highest degree chair. It talks about how she became the highest leader of that secret society from a college student in Germany. It talks about how they use a special form of uh, astrology to predict future events. I mean, we use uh, astrology to kind of focus on the date of birth and, and the time of birth and to make a birth chart, but they're able to calculate the positions of the planets at a given moment, just using their mind, using a very unique way of calculation or, or formula so that they can know how the planets affect us at a given moment of time. And it also talks about how they're able to increase their psychic powers through the different rituals and, and that they, sometimes they're really graphic and, and gruesome. And it talks about how they um, influence people's minds, how they kind of affect the decisions of the politicians. But at the end of the book, the author in which he kept his name anonymous, he realized that everything is about love. Everything is connected. So the key message about humanity is that we have to love one another, just like what Christ taught us. And the reason of him revealing all the secrets is that he wanted the organization to break from within because he, after he realized that everything is about love, he kind of led the organization to a more symbiosis relationship with the, uh, with the governments and, and also the real world, world that we all live in. But he saw that there's a younger leader rising up and he was, in a sense, kind of like an antichrist figure 
having more psychic powers than him. And he was afraid that he wouldn't be able to, to keep him in place. So that's why he decided to reveal everything, the secrets, so that the uh, people can know about what's going on and to form a collective consciousness uh, so that uh, the organization can be broken from within. And he says that no matter how strong the psychic powers that the high degree members have, they're afraid of the power of the people. They're afraid of the collective consciousness of the people. So this is the entire reason that he wrote a book and made it public. And he disappeared in the summer of 2001, just a few months before 9-11 happened. Really? Yes. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's huge. Yeah. Wow. And the book is not for everyone. I just want to warn your audience. It has a lot of uh, graphic violence and it's not for everyone. Just be warned. Be warned beforehand. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the, the aura viewing. Have you, how has that gone? Like, have you been able to begin to see auras? Have you learned how to do that? You know, I try, I've been trying harder to promoting the messages in the book than meditating myself and trying to uh -huh. see auras. But occasionally I can see certain colors, but I, I always try to be more precise in, in the colors that I see. So I still rely on the uh, aura readers uh, who can see better. For example, there's a lady in Australia that I visited. Her name is Judith Collins. She is probably the best aura reader that I have ever encountered who is still alive. Barbara Brennan is the best one ever, oh, and but she passed away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But she passed away. And but this, there is are others. this is a skill that can be developed, right? Yes, theoretically. But okay. Barbara Brennan and Judith Collins, they were born with a gift. Yeah. How is your the creation of the device that you talk about to be able to read auras, how is that coming along? You know, since aura readers can see the colors um, from black and white photos, I was thinking maybe I can oh, figure right? out. A, yes. I didn't they know can that. Do that. Wow. So, so I've been trying to figure out like an algorithm from the gradients of the pixels of the uh, black and white photos. And, but I've been trying to do that without any success. And also Judith Collins also told me that, and actually I did a lot of experiments with her. If I cut a picture in half, she would still be able to see the colors of the auras of that person, even though the other half is no longer there. So that makes me think that the universe is holographic. So the holographic universe theory is probably correct because holographic projection, when you cut like a corner of a bigger picture, the smaller corner that you cut is not the, the portion that was cut. It became like a smaller version of the entire picture. So right. I was thinking maybe when Judith Collins saw the picture, she was linking that into another dimension of holographic projection in which he can see the entire auric fields of that person, even though only half of that picture is shown to her. So that makes everything a little bit more complicated, but I'm still working on that. Wow. So would this, what you have in mind, is it a device that works with the picture? 
Yes, it would be more like a, a camera, more like a program that people can just download onto their cell phone and, and to see who is telling the truth and who is not. Wow, that would change so much. There's a shaman that I have on the podcast frequently named Michael Massey, and he talks about in the future, you know, the credentials that we prize so much now, you know, that right now it's, oh, I've got this doctorate or I have a PhD or, or whatever. And then that is how society uses, you know, oh, then I should listen to this person because they've gone through this training and this, you know, they've spent years studying at this university or what have you. But Michael talks about there will come a point in human evolution where your aura is your resume. You will know who to trust because you can see it, right? And you can't hide that. You can't, and it doesn't matter how much schooling you have or how much, you know, where you've worked or whatever it is that we use to give credentials to people. It will be your being is your credentials, you know? Exactly. Another aura reader like uh, Rosalind Burr, she told me, you know, class that um, she actually used to work with uh, the uh, general counsel for Rupert Murdoch. And he saw that person having like a purplish color on his third area. And she noticed that, but asked him some questions, uh, whether he was a little bit psychic and very good at certain things, intuition wise. And he told her that he was able to pick up the stocks correctly, just from the tickers that float on the screen. And he cannot explain why that's the case, but all the stocks that he picked or the stocks that jumped out of him were going to go up in, in value in price. So this is something that she, she told me from her personal experience. And she also told me that she can see, like, for example, two teams of football players are playing you know, a game. She can just tell from their auras which team is going to win the game because their auras are more consistent than in harmony and yellowish in color. So this is very interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. And also, one of the important uh, messages from the Theobans is the, the importance of colors that we wear. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, please talk about that. Colors are different vibrations. If we can match the vibrations of the colors to the colors of the auras, we're going to feel much better than the colors that don't match. So, and colors do have a lot of uh, effects on us, whether psychologically or physically. And after Michel de Marquet was led into their spacecraft, they disinfected him using yellow light and blue light. It turns out that certain wavelengths of blue light have uh, antibacterial antiviral effects as um, verified by Harvard Medical School. And just a few years ago, um, it's proven by another paper that yellow, certain wavelengths of yellow color also have um, antibacterial effects. And in the book, it also mentioned about uh, the pink color. The color pink can reduce uh, a person's uh, muscle, muscle strength by 30% after watching the color pink for 15 minutes. So a, university, a coach, a football coach in University of Iowa knew about this apparently. And so he painted the locker rooms of the visiting teams <laughs> into pink color. And he rarely lost a home game. <laughs> so oh my goodness. So this is the effect of color. So, yeah. 
Wow. And in the book, they even talk about, you know, being conscientious about the color of your room, like the color of your home space, how you paint the walls. And so even if you're just sleeping and you're not looking at the color, but you're still in the color. Yes, that's right. And the color green uh, can reduce the uh, migraines and headaches and different colors have different effects on people. If you feel cold, wear red. If you feel too hot, wear probably like blue or green or something like that. So I think color therapy is actually a fact, was very popular in the 1920s before the discovery of antibiotics. It's very expensive to utilize the colors to treat certain diseases. And it will be harder for the big pharmaceutical companies to profit from colors. This is why it probably hasn't been promoted as yeah. it should be. So many things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have just, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I loved the book. Thank you so much for reaching out. Tell us how people can find the Theoba prophecy and learn more. People can find the book on Amazon by searching the title of the book, Theoba Prophecy, T H I A O U B A. And people can find me on Facebook by searching my name, Samuel Chong, C H O N G. And this book, after reading this book, has been the best investment that I ever made in my entire life. Better than those investment gurus. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Samuel. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you.